So here at Sovereign Grace, uh, for those who are watching us by video, either through Facebook or through YouTube or wherever you're watching this from, uh, just know that we love you, that we have a small group here today uh, simply for the purpose of being able to gather in worship so that all can hear the gospel. That's the only reason we're here. And we do pray for everyone who is sick. We pray for everyone who's been impacted economically. It's an interesting time that we're in. And uh, so we're having to navigate these waters day by day. It's a very fluid situation. And so my prayer is today that we will hear the word of the Lord, that we will sing praises to him in the midst of it. And uh, those of you who are at home, uh, please sing along with us. Uh, please read along in your Bible with us and pray with us as we pray with you too. Can we open in prayer? Father God Almighty, we, we do thank you for the privilege of being in this house this morning. We are small in number because of circumstances that are beyond our control. But Lord, we do pray that at this hour and at this moment, you would be faithful as you always are, and that you would be in this house with us, that you would also be in the homes of everyone in our congregation as we're separated, we're, we're distant from each other physically, but it is through your spirit and through the blood of Jesus Christ that no matter how far apart we are, we're still united together as one. And I pray, dear God, that at this moment you would allow everyone who is hearing these words to feel your presence in their home, that you would that you would allow your gospel to be heard loud and clear. And through that, Father, I pray that we would just be embraced by your loving grace. There is no greater time in our lifetimes that we need your grace more. And so, God, please allow us to see your presence in our lives. Let us see your love at work. Remind us, Father, that you've not abandoned us Remind us, through God, that there is hope for the Christian. And for that, Father, we give you praise. And that's why we're here this morning. We want to praise the name of your Son, Jesus. So let this time be for you, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Now let's enter into a time of worship and singing of you.
187 before the throne of God above. Oh.
snuck in there as we were singing praises to the Lord. We're glad that you're here. Again, we are small in number here um, and really by design. I uh, wanted to make sure that everyone knows out there who's watching the video uh, today. Um, we have intentionally uh, asked only a few people to come to help uh, just worship the Lord uh, for this time. But several people are at home as well. And we understand the reasons. Um, we understand the reasons. It is a season that we uh, did not expect, and it is a season that the circumstances are still fluid. Can I just uh, emphasize that? So uh, this is a season of uncertainty in our country, in our world. It is a season um, in our uh, lives as Christians that we have to really discern what is it that God is doing. If God is sovereign in God's providential hand, is in control of all things, what is happening? What is it God is doing? And so I, I just want to encourage us all that it is God's will and His desire to change us, and He does it in a lot of different ways. And I want us to see in Scripture today a few of those things. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We have been working through this gospel for several weeks, actually several months. And I felt it appropriate today to continue in our study of Matthew because just like last week in Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 17, there was a, a, a very timely message there. And I think the same will happen here today. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. If you're able to stand, will you stand in reverence for the reading of God's Word? While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 
Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called to them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Amen. Let's pray. Father God Almighty, we thank you for your word. And I do pray that today, as we hear from your scripture, that you would speak. Father, that at this time of our lives where things are uncertain, where things are just rapidly and fluidly changing, I pray, God, that you would cause us to see what it is that you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in this world, so that your gospel would be heard and received. It may mean, Father, that things need to be mended. It may mean that things need to be restored and prepared. And so, God, I pray that during this time and this season, you would cause us to see what it is that you are repairing, what you are preparing to do. Father, help us in this time. Build our faith, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. This passage of Scripture continues in Matthew's Gospel as Matthew now is telling us about Jesus' ministry, how it begins. We looked last week and we saw that Jesus begins His ministry following the season of temptation in the wilderness. And that beginning of ministry, Jesus started that ministry as the light of in the midst of darkness, as he was proclaiming in verse 17 that Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was beginning that message in an area, in a territory that was known for its darkness and its despair. I don't think that was anything that was just a mere coincidence. I think God, in his divine sovereignty, did this on purpose. As we move forward now into verses 18 through 22, Jesus, as he begins his ministry, now begins calling disciples to follow him. That's an interesting thing that we need to pay attention to. As God's people, we are called by Christ. He chooses us. He says, come, follow me. Notice that. What were these fishermen doing? They were not looking for Jesus. They were just doing their thing. They were running their businesses. They were casting nets. They were fishermen. They were living their lives together. And Jesus seeks them out. And he says, follow me. I think that's an important thing for us to see here. But in the midst of following Christ, we're going to see here that there's going to be some changes that need to happen, some preparation that needs to take place. I don't know about you, but if you've ever started a new job, did you walk into the new job actually knowing what to do on the first day? Some people, it takes a little while to get to know the job. Other people take to it like a duck to water. But regardless, there's always a season of preparation. Sometimes it is a preparation of removing your habits or your exposure to previous jobs or your previous life and to this new circumstance. You have to kind of get comfortable. And as Jesus here is beginning his ministry, he's calling these men to follow him. And in following Jesus, I think what we can see here that must be emphasized is that following Jesus is not easy. 
Following Jesus is not easy. Anyone who says that the, the gospel is an easy, simple message, I think we need to stop and pause and wonder, is it truly that simple and is it truly that easy? Yes, the gospel is a gift. Yes, the gospel is a message that is that God Himself is giving through His Son, Jesus Christ. But to respond to that, to follow, it's not so easy. And Jesus knows this. And so as He's calling His disciples here, He's actually calling them to abandon their lives. He's actually calling for a radical abandonment in order to follow Christ. And that is necessary. That's what we need to see here is that as Jesus is calling these men, he's calling Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, he is calling them to a radical abandonment of their lives. They leave everything that they knew were certain and comfortable. Think about this. These men were just fishermen. Simon and Peter were brothers. They were fishermen. We see this. In verse 18, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he says to them in verse 19, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's the calling. Follow me. And look here in verse 20. We see this throughout Matthew's gospel. Verse 20, the response of Simon Peter and his brother Andrew is immediately they left their nets and followed him. That idea of immediately is a common theme throughout Matthew's gospel. Every time that Jesus calls someone, every time that Jesus actually does something, a miracle, a preaching, a teaching in Matthew's gospel, we're going to see this constant immediately. And Jesus is calling these men. And then he goes further and he calls James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were also brothers. We're going to look at them a little bit differently. But in all of these cases, between these two sets of brothers, Jesus is expecting a radical abandonment of their businesses, of their lives, to follow Jesus. Jesus is not saying, well, come follow me and it's okay to keep one foot in your previous life and one foot with me. You can be double-minded and understand that, uh, you know, I'm not really asking you to give up anything. How many people have heard that from the gospel, preaching uh, in the pulpits? That Jesus is not going to ask you to really give up anything. He just loves you just the way you are. I think Jesus does love Peter and Andrew and James and John. And he comes to them exactly who they are in, in the situation of where they are. He actually comes to them in their circumstances. He comes to them in their lives, but he does not love them to the point that he just leaves them as who they are. He loves them so much, he radically expects them to not be who they are. Notice that. He loves them for who they are, but he expects them to become who he wants them to be. You see, this radical abandonment that is necessary, it's necessary so that Christ's glory can shine. If we do not give up who we are and radically follow Jesus, then Christ's glory is not dominant in our lives and Christ's glory is not proclaimed. Instead, it's our glory 
And if our glory is not abandoned, if our glory is not given up and, and turned away from, then our glory muddles Christ's glory, and that's not glory at all. You see that? You see here in John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus reminds these disciples later, you did not choose me, but I chose you. John chapter 15, verse 16. That's an important point to remind ourselves of. If we are Christians and we follow Jesus Christ, let us ask ourselves, did I come to Christ under my own power? Did I choose Jesus or did Jesus come and find me? I think we see pretty clearly in the Gospels that when, when Christ calls us to follow him, it is Jesus himself who finds us. It is Jesus himself who comes to us and he chooses us and he says, I love you. I want you to abandon who you are. I want you to abandon everything that you hold dear and embrace me instead. Isn't that amazing? I don't know. I mean, any, anyone that you talk to who has a powerful testimony in the faith, a very common testimony is, I did not want Jesus. I didn't even look for Jesus. It was suddenly that Jesus found me, and I don't know what happened, but I'm new. <laughs> and that's a beautiful, glorious thing. You see, this radical abandonment requires joyful dependence on Christ's grace. These men, Peter and Andrew and James and John, Christ expects them to be joyful and depend on Him. And, only, and the only way to do that is to turn away and abandon their lives because He's going to make them fishers of men. Now, who is it that these men are? Jesus begins His ministry again in the area of Galilee near Capernaum in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali a very dark place, a place known to be in despair. It was actually a place that many did not want to even recognize or consider. If you were a Galilean, you were actually lower class. If you were a Galilean, you were living in a rural area. You came from a rural mindset. You were uneducated. You were seen as uncultured. You probably had an accent. How many of us relate to that. And Jesus here actually calls these men. Jesus does not choose the elite. He purposefully starts his ministry and calls his first disciples to follow him from a culture and from a place of, can we just say in our common vernacular, they were just redneck. That's about as clear of a definition as we could figure out here. These Galileans uh, and, and we can just assume that Peter and Andrew, James and John were this way because this was the common understanding of this area, of this culture. This region had people who were known to be narrow-minded. If you were a Galilean, you were superstitious. If you were a Galilean, you were probably full of Jewish prejudices and you'd look down upon everyone else who was not like you because you did not have the education or the cultural refinement in other words, the Galileans were isolated. They were in a place separated from everyone else, and they were actually in a dark and dreary place. And it was, it's interesting here that Jesus chooses to call these people. And Matthew's gospel reminds us of this. If you were actually listening to this gospel at the time that it was penned, when you heard the Galilee, 
territory being referenced and these people coming from that, it would be like us saying, well, uh, Jesus went to the lower uh, swamps of southern Mississippi and Louisiana and found some gator hunters and made them into his disciples. Why is it that Jesus does this? It's an interesting thing. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul helps us see this. We're going to look at several passages today, so keep your Bible handy. Ephesians chapter 1. Beginning in verse 4, we read this. Actually, let's begin in verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the beloved. We see in this passage that it is Christ who chooses us. Why? For His own grace. It is Christ who calls us. It is Christ's grace that is actually applying to this situation. This passage in Ephesians chapter 1 helps us understand exactly what Jesus is doing here in Matthew chapter 4. As He calls His disciples, and if you're a Christian today, you are a disciple. Jesus is the one who's calling us to be His people, to follow Him. And the reason that it is Christ Himself who chooses us, it says here in verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 1, In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Christ according to the purpose of His will. Verse 6, to the praise of His glorious grace. The reason He chooses us is so that we cannot boast on our own power. Look what I have done. Look how good I am. Look how clean I am. Matthew chapter 4 Verse 19 tells us exactly what Jesus is doing, the reason that Jesus calls His disciples. And He said to them, Follow Me, and I will make you fishers of men. He tells Peter and Andrew, as He's calling them, I am going to change you. Come follow Me, and I'm going to change you and make you fishers of men, not just mere fishermen of fish. Now look here. In verse 20, in order to become what Christ is calling us to be, and let me pause here, Jesus understands this process. This is not an oops, I made a mistake, let me fix something. Jesus knows as he's calling us to repentance that we are going to need work. We need work. We, we are a work in progress. A renewing, being made new in Christ to become fishers of men requires work. Look here in verse 20. Immediately they left their nets and followed Him. And in verse 21 he continues, And going on from there he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother. So now Jesus has called Simon Peter and Andrew, and as, he, as they go along, they find two other brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and he calls them too. But what is it that James and John are doing? 
They're mending nets. I don't know about you, but if you have tools that you work with, are there times that you have to maintain those tools? Sure. Are there times where something that you're working with breaks and you have to repair it and restore it in order for it to be useful? Notice what the imagery here is in this calling of these disciples. James and John were mending their nets. They were restoring what was torn. They were restoring what was broken. And as Jesus calls them to follow them, he, they actually follow. But notice here, I think what Jesus is doing here in this calling of these disciples is pointing to a greater gospel truth. If these disciples are mending nets, they know what it means to repair something in order for it to continue to be useful. And as Jesus is calling these fishermen, he knows that this is part of their mentality. He knows that they're used to these kind of things. And, and as they are following Jesus, they realize that it is Jesus who is mending them as well. Why do we say this? It's because the, the word here for mending the nets in the original Greek is a word that is repeated in other places of Scripture. And I think the imagery here is something that we cannot overlook. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. And this text, I think, is very appropriate for our time. We have so many friends and family and co-workers, you may know them. Their anxiety right now is pretty high. You may be sitting here right now and you may be saying to yourself, I don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. Your level of anxiety is probably beyond your understanding or your comprehension. You may be listening right now and watching on video, and right now you're thinking, Dear Father God, what in the world is happening? And your anxiety is rising. Look with me at 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist Him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while... The God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, this context of this passage from 1 Peter is written to a group of Christians who are in the, in the, in the Roman diaspora. In other words, they have been scattered to the outer reaches of the territory of the empire because of the Christian persecution of the day. But I think the message here still is relevant to our time. If we are in a season of anxiety and fear, and I think right now there, there is a level of where I think anxiety is understandable at this time. The question is, does the anxiety control us and overwhelm us? We are in uncertain times. Something we cannot ignore. Anyone who has their head in the sand right now and saying that this is just going to be over with in a couple of weeks, I think 
they're mistaken. I think the evidence is pretty clear that the next several months are going to be seasons, it's going to be a season of uncertainty. And that's going to bring with it levels of anxiety, of fear. But we see here in verse 6 and 7 of 1 Peter chapter 5, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. In the midst of our anxiety and our fear, we are called to humble ourselves because God's hand of providence is mightier than our fear. Verse 7, Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. If we are full of anxiety and fear and worry, we're being called here in 1 Peter chapter 5 to cast that upon Christ. What do the fishermen do here in Matthew chapter 4? What were they doing? They were casting their nets. They're used to throwing things out to catch a, a wonderful payday. They were used to casting out the nets because that was their livelihood. We are called in this passage of First Peter chapter five to cast our anxieties upon Christ. Why? Because Jesus loves us. He cares for us. He can carry our burdens. He can walk with us through this time of uncertainty and anxiety. Now, if you'll go down to First Peter chapter five, beginning in verse ten. This is the word of hope that I think applies to this idea of mending the nets. Peter writes, and after you have suffered a little while, and we are suffering, we're really just at the beginning of this season. If you've looked at your 401k lately, you're probably in the full of turmoil and fear. <laughs> yeah, some, people have, uh, some people have pantries that are overflowing. Some people have pantries with nothing. So after the season of suffering and fear and anxiety, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, there's the idea of calling again, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. This idea here in verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 5 of restoring, is the same idea of mending nets. Same word. As Jesus is calling James and John, the brothers, the sons of Zebedee, as they were mending nets, this is an imagery of Christ Himself mending, restoring, and strengthening souls for His kingdom and for His glory. How many of us who know Christ as our Savior understand that concept of our soul being mended, our soul being restored and strengthened? If you were a profitable fisherman, in other words, well, if you were just a good fisherman, like Peter and James and John and Andrew here, they would have known in order to continue their livelihood, they were going to have to restore what was broken in the nets. In order to restore it, it needed to be as strong as it was originally. Otherwise, it would not do any good. And Jesus, in calling them to follow Him as disciples, He chooses them 
because they needed restoration. He chose them because these Galileans who were low-class, uneducated, narrow-minded, superstitious, full of prejudice, they needed some mending. They needed some strengthening. They needed some repair. You and I are living in a time of uncertainty and anxiety. Let me encourage us that at this time it is Christ who is mending us, who is restoring us, who is creating within us something new. A stronger us will come out of this, not for our sake, but for the sake of Christ and His glory. It is the church that will come on the, out on the other side of this season of uncertainty and anxiety stronger than ever. Amen? This is the message of the gospel. Because in 1 Peter chapter 5, we are called to cast our anxieties like casting nets upon Christ. We are to stand firm in the faith in verse 8. We are to, after this season of anxiety and suffering, see that God's strong hand of providence actually restored us, confirmed us, and strengthened us for one thing, and that is for His glory and for His kingdom. And so the Christian attitude of fear and worry is something that God will not allow to continue. Through this time, He's teaching us to depend on Him. Through this time, He's teaching us to have faith that it's going to be okay. Now that may mean that we have to suffer for a little while. It may mean that we're not going to be able to get our favorite snack to sit around and watch Netflix and get fat on our couch. All right? That's okay to laugh. We may need this time to restore our spirit of dependence and faith upon God who gives us all that we need. This is a time of restoration and mending as God, I think, is preparing us for something else. And in order to prepare us for His glory and for His kingdom, there's some things that He needs to purge out of us and restore and rebuild Whatever is happening in your life right now, at your home, at your work, through your family, is it possible that Christ is calling us to follow Him through this time so that He can restore within us something that has been lost or neglected? Because let's just be honest, we have become a very complacent people. We've become lazy in the faith. We've become used to coming to church whenever we feel like it. We've become used to just reading our Bibles whenever it's convenient. Oh, if Jesus is convenient, I think I'll pay attention. I think perhaps maybe this is a season where God is going to use uh, this time to restore some things within us, to mend our spirits and restore a strength of faith in Him. For what purpose? For His glory and for His kingdom. We are called to be followers of Christ for a reason, and that is to give joyful dependence upon Christ and His grace. Because Jesus proclaimed that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what is it that we need to listen to, we need to pay attention to? I think God is causing us to pay attention to His providential hand so that we have faith and we trust in what God provides and what God does for us, not just materially, not just physically, but spiritually. Do we depend on God for what He's doing in our spirit? Do we, do we depend on God for what He's doing in our lives?
God calls us through His Son, Jesus Christ, to be that, to be citizens of His kingdom. And in order to be citizens of His kingdom, I think there needs to be times of purging and restoration and healing and mending. My prayer is that we may see that this season that we're in is exactly that. I want to close with this encouragement to us. If you turn to Hebrews chapter 13, please. Hebrews chapter 13. This is actually the benediction of this letter. That we have to say the author penned, even though there's a controversy whether or not Paul actually wrote this letter or not. That's irrelevant. The author of Hebrews is writing a beautiful benediction to us that I think helps us see how God is equipping us, preparing us, restoring something in us for something greater. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This benediction at the end of Hebrews chapter 13 is reminding us that it is God who's the God of peace who who brings us from death into life in Jesus Christ. Notice this, the calling of the, of the saint, the calling of the Christian here is, remind, is emphasized again. It is the God of peace who brings us from the dead to our Lord Jesus Christ. We, we are come to life because Jesus Christ is the great shepherd. And by the blood of his eternal covenant, through the blood of Christ, a covenant is made. And in verse 21, we who are called by God through Jesus Christ, are equipped with everything good so that we may do His will. This idea of equipping in Hebrews 13, 21 is the exact same concept that we see in 1 Peter chapter 5 of, of being restored, of Matthew chapter 4, verse 21, of mending nets, it's the exact same concept that as we are being equipped, we are being prepared. There is something being created. There is something that needs to be mended and restored to strength so that we can continue to work in the kingdom. We are being equipped and restored and mended with everything good in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 21. And everything good is exactly what Jesus Christ offers through His eternal covenant, through the blood that He sheds on the cross. This equipping is for the purpose of glorifying Christ. This equipping, this preparing, this mending of our spirits is so that Christ is working in us that which is pleasing in His sight. This mending, this repairing is taking away that which is not pleasing in God's sight and being rewoven and reconnected and strengthened and mended so that what is pleasing to God is now what is knitting us together in the net. Amen? And sometimes it takes seasons of anxiety and stress to see where the weakness is 
And then God takes that and He restores it and He heals it and He makes it stronger in faith through Jesus Christ so that we see here in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 21 so that we can do His will to whom be glory forever. Amen. So as Christ is working in us what is He preparing you to do? What is in this in this time of preparation, is he restoring something in your spirit? Is he mending something in your faith? I want to encourage us to think of it this way. As we endure hardships, faith comes to the surface. As we endure hardships, it is Christ who is strengthening the faith within us to depend upon Him. As we depend upon His blood for our salvation, are we depending on Him to mend within our spirits what needs to be mended? Is, it, is there something in us that needs to be strengthened and restored? This time of uncertainty is the time that God does that. I see that in the Scriptures, don't you? So the encouragement that we can have in this time of anxiety is that the hope of the Christian is that God loves His people and He's going to take care of us no matter what. He's wanting us to depend upon Him. That's what faith is. We have faith that God, through His Son Jesus Christ, is still there and He is. But is He mending some nets in your life right now? Is He mending some nets in your home? Maybe it's a mending of our finances because we've gone beyond what we could ever afford. And that's not, that's not Christian wisdom to live beyond our financial means, is it? Maybe this is a time for many people as a wake-up call. We're, we're living on credit cards and now suddenly we don't have a job, we don't have food, and how are we going to pay all this debt? Oh man, maybe God's waking some people up to all this. Maybe there's family relationships that need to be mended and God is forcing them to spend time together in the house for a while. That would be an amazing thing to watch families be mended through this, isn't it? And God received glory through it all. Maybe there's some folks who just don't appreciate their job and now they realize they're not going to have a paycheck for a while. Boy, that'll cause you to appreciate a job, won't it? At the same time, many of us have been taking Christ for granted there are years of affluence and high stock market. Maybe Christ is saying, you've turned your eyes away from me. Maybe this is a season that God is trying to call us back to see Him faithfully and depend on Him. What is it that Christ is working in you? What is He preparing? What is He mending? What is He restoring? Let me close this in prayer. Father God Almighty, we do thank You for Your Word. As Jesus calls His disciples in Matthew chapter 4, Simon Peter, His brother Andrew, James and John, He is commanding them to follow Him and He is causing them to be made new. He's calling them to a radical abandonment of whatever they held dear. And through that, dear God, He makes them into men who spread the gospel around the world. Father God, we as a country, 
We as a human race around the world, we are in a season of uncertainty at this time. Father God, what is it that you're doing in us? Are you restoring something? Are you mending something? Are you causing us to depend upon you more than we did before? Father, I pray for families right now as they may be struggling to figure out what comes tomorrow. Lord, I just pray that you would restore hope in them. Lord God, I, I don't know about those who have lost their jobs. They don't know where the paycheck's coming tomorrow. Father God, I pray that you would restore something in them where they would turn to you and have faith that you are in control. Father God, your word is very comforting in many ways, but it's also very firm and very true. Cause us to hear you clearly as we read Scripture, as we study Scripture. Let this time be a time where people, uh, their, their attitudes toward your word are restored where it needs to be. Father, we depend on you. And I just pray that your glory would shine brightly in the midst of this darkness. That the glove of your Son, Jesus Christ, that his love for us would cause us to turn and follow him in ways that we were not faithfully serving before. Cause us, Father God, to be dependent upon your Son and, and his salvation for us. Help us, dear God, in this time. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And amen. Before we close in a song, I just want to give a couple of announcements real quick. I have learned just this morning that our sermons at Sovereign Grace Baptist Church will be broadcast on 94.1 FM at 1.30 p.m. every Sunday afternoon for the near future. For free. I don't know how long this will continue. But it is a service of that radio station, 94.1 FM, Newstalk94.1.com, if you need to go to that website. Um, our sermons will be broadcast live from there weekly. In addition to that, as you all know, we're going to have uh, our messages, our worship time, as always, on our podcast that you can find on iTunes and Google Play and other, uh, other places, even our website host those, but we're going to start having video from time to time as we can get the technology worked out. But let me also encourage you that as a church here at Sovereign Grace Baptist Church, we are going to listen to our government, our government. we're going to listen to our leaders, uh, whether they mandate or not, we're going to follow their guidelines and their suggestions as faithfully as we can. I do not know that we'll get into what some are fearfully promoting. We're not going to get into martial law. I don't see that coming. That's nothing that a Christian can embrace. We're not going into martial law, folks. But we are in a season that we have to be prudent. And God's wisdom in His Scripture reminds us to have faith on in His Word, to have faith in His provision. This is a season, and we'll get through it. Amen? Now, the other thing that's going to be challenging for all churches is how do we as a church maintain relationships and ministry with one another having to be separated from one another? Yeah, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I do not know that the internet is the answer, but it's a tool, it helps, but it does not substitute human interaction and connection. 
So we here at the church, uh, I'm already thinking through and preparing a plan for how do we minister to individuals one-on-one, right? Be more faithful in reaching out to each other and checking on each other. I'm working on a plan for that. And how do we gather in small groups to encourage each other in prayer? That's coming this week. So please keep that, keep your ears open for that. Keep listening. If you have suggestions, let me know. But I think that's how we as a church are going to transition in ministry. We're going to have to transition into, into smaller intimate groups of compassion and care for one another. Which is the root of our church anyway. We started as a small group. And I've been praying that the Lord would give us that opportunity to go back to that root. This, is, I think, is the season. We're going to be forced into going back into small group, one-on-one, individual connections with one another. That's a good thing. I see the glory in that. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. We're going to close with a hymn, please. Thank you, Thomas and Sarah, for being here. We appreciate you doing that.
more importantly, God, we thank you for the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, who loved us, who came to us and chose us and called us to follow him. Father, please continue to do the work that you need to do in us to mend us, to restore us, to strengthen us for preparation for work in your kingdom. I pray, God, that you would use our church, every member here, every Christian here, in your kingdom work at this time. Please give us a sensitivity to others in need so that we can be that light that they need to see. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Be saved.